Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. So today's the day. There'll be nerves, anticipation, anxiety. No doubt many will be sat by the phone waiting for it to ring. 26 men will get the call up to represent England at the World Cup in Qatar. But who will those 26 players be? Did Madison do enough to get in? Is Ivan Tony included? Has Kyle Walker recovered from injury in time? We'll find out the answers to all of those questions for certain this afternoon. England face Wales in the group stages in Qatar and the Welsh announced their first World Cup squad in 58 years yesterday. A proud moment for all Welshmen, but doubly so for Nathan Jones, who's been appointed the manager of Southampton on a three and a half year deal, replacing the sacked Ralph Hasenhurtl. He punched above his weight with Luton in the Championship, but can he dance with the best of them in the Premier League with Saints? And as we tick down towards the final Premier League fixtures before the World Cup, this is your final chance to be picking up on those precious FPL points. Thankfully, Tom from Who Got The Assist will be here later on to help you set your fantasy side straight. Welcome to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. I'm Niall McCorn and joining me today, we've got Gabrielle Obertan and Andy Griffin. Morning, boys. I'll take Griffin because I had hair. No, I'm taking Obertan because at least I had a bit of flair about it. I don't know about the other guy. <laughs> if that, by flair you mean me a Griffin? step over and crossing it into the stand, then <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Andy Griffin scored in the Champions League at Juventus for uh, for Newcastle back in the day. So I'll, uh... Is that when Juventus are in like <laughs> absolute turmoil? No, because they were in the Champions League, you big div. Yeah, but they were still getting investigated by them. Well, <laughs> no. Well, Andy Griffin decided to swap oh God, St. James's Park for a proper stadium. I'm watching it on uh, on YouTube now, his goal against Juventus. It was a ridiculous goal. Get on well, YouTube you know and see You know what? I'm going to watch I'll have an Obertan step over montage then to make me feel better. In all seriousness, <laughs> we won't have Obertan and Griffin, those two former Premier League players on the show today. But we do have two other former top flight professionals on the dugout later this week, which is our podcast featuring ex-pros. Matty Fryer, a striker for Leicester and Forrest back in the day, will be joining me along with Trevor Stephen, an ex-Everton man and someone who also played at a World Cup for England. So he'll know exactly what those three Lions play 
players will be feeling this afternoon. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss the show when it does land on the Football Social Daily feed. That'll be out a little bit later on this week. Right then, that is where we have to start. The England squad, 26 men, will be on the plane for the three Lions going to Qatar. The first group match against Iran is on the 21st of November. And here we are 11 days out from that game and Southgate has yet to name his 26-man group. That will change at 2pm UK time this afternoon. Who is on the plane? That is the big question, Marley. Let's go through it, I think. We should go through it position by position. Let's start with goalkeepers. I think this is a bit of a tap-in when it comes to which three keepers will be going to Qatar. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. I think only injury was going to uh, derail this, I think. Um, so yeah, Pope, Ramsdale and uh, Pickford. Do you think that that's a fair choice from Southgate? I mean, Jordan Pickford, I know, is someone you've had suspicions over. Obviously, he's got the Sunderland links and there's been question marks over his form for Everton at times. He does have the tendency to make the odd mistake. But as everyone keeps saying in both the press and on podcasts and other forms of media, he's never let England down, which I think is such a dangerous thing to say going into a major tournament. But he was pretty good in that penalty shootout against Colombia, kind of shook a few shackles off, uh, a few ghosts of England's past were kind of exercised in that penalty shootout against Colombia in 2018. But it, it, on the whole, people do have a point. He's been pretty consistent for England during his time, Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I think he's, um, he, you know, Southgate will will stick with what he knows. Um, that's that's what that's what he is. That's what he does. Um, Pickford, you know, he's. I don't think there's much between the three keepers. I, 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 I mean, I'm slightly biased, but I do think Pope's the best actual goalkeeper. Um, but Pickford is undoubtedly better with his feet and his distribution. Um, and that will see him through, I think. Um, I had worries about Pope when he came to Newcastle with his, with us playing a, a sort of higher line, maybe, but it, it hasn't manifested itself into mistakes. I think he, he looks really confident when he's, when he's coming out and sort of, um, sweeper keeper in style stuff when he's mopping anything up that goes in behind. And, you know, we haven't, um, seen him play his best for England, I don't think. Um, and that's what will get Pickford the gloves, I reckon, in the in the uh, well, in every game basically. So I think someone might get a the third group game, for example, uh, if we, if we beat you know um, Iran and USA comfortably and get through. You know, you might see Pope and Ramsdale have half a game each against Wales or something like that. But I think Pickford will be first choice, and uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward that one. Yeah, I agree. Jordan Pickford is pretty much a certainty to get in if you were going to pick one player that you would bet your mortgage on would be in the England squad it's going to be Jordan Pickford so he'll be going to Qatar I don't think there's any debate about that the other two Aaron Ramsdale Arsenal currently top of the Premier League can't argue with that and Nick Pope Newcastle United aside from those top two clubs above them Manchester City and Arsenal they have the best defence and therefore Nick Pope with Newcastle sitting in third you can't really argue against him either so that's the goalkeepers wrapped up that was nice and easy for you Marley so it gets a little tougher for you now Joel because we're going to look at the defense and this is where for me the most arguments and debates have emanated from there are a number of players who could or could not be in this England squad and I was trying to do some research and I was looking at all the newspapers this morning before we started recording the podcast to get a hint as to who might be in and who might be out but having looked at all of these different predictions from different journalists and people even in the know it is so difficult to construct a defence in terms of who goes to Qatar and who doesn't so give me some names and let's make up our defence who we think Gareth Southgate will pick. So I think the two or three right back, shall we say, they're definitely going a trippier 
Walker and Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think Trent, you think Alexander-Arnold is definitely going because straight think, away there, there's a point of contention. Yeah, it's like we mentioned on yesterday's podcast. I think it's purely out of consequence rather than actually wanting him to be in the team purely because Reese James is now definitely ruled out. I think there's no other choice. I, if it was me, I would pit, put in someone like... Um, I really do like Kyle Walker-Peters, but I mean, with Trent Alexander-Arnold, because he's got such amazing technical ability and delivery, I think at any point in the tournament, that'll definitely come into play at some point. So I think you have to have him in there regardless. So I think those three are pretty sure, I would say. What about at right back, Ben White? That's where he's been playing for Arsenal this season. Um, At times, he's played out on the right, so he's an option, surely. Do you not think Ben White could get a call up? I think he would take him, but as a choice in the back three, I definitely don't think he'll use him as a right back, purely because there's just way better options at right back compared to him. Uh, But I do know Southgate likes his defensive, versatile players, you know, the ones that can potentially fit a centre-back or potentially a right back. So I think he could be an option. But I think the centre-backs, Harry Maguire, whether you like it or not, he's definitely going to be there. As we've mentioned, I think Southgate just has so much trust in him. And you know what? Fair enough, because in 2018 and in 2021, he didn't put a foot wrong. He was in the team of the tournament in the Euros last year. Uh, and in the World Cup, he got a move to United for, what, 85 million purely based on those performances. So... Whether you want to say he's in there because of virtue or because of past, then it's the wrong choice. I kind of agree. But then on the flip side, I mean, he is a very sure fit in that England side. So I think he has to be in there in in, in the worst kind of way. Uh, alongside John Stones as well, I think he's definitely a sure fit. And Eric Dyer, luckily he's come into form a lot, not in the last three weeks he's had a pretty disasterful uh three weeks but i think yeah he's he's proven himself for the last six months to definitely get in there okay so if we're talking about fullbacks marley just quickly we're all in agreement on trippier here do you think walker will be fit enough to go because there's another question mark it seems like he will be do you think do you think that he'll go kyle walker i think so yeah because i think if he if he wasn't, we'd have already heard about it. Like we've heard about with 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 Reese James yesterday, and you know James put a statement out on social media saying I w- I was prepared to to risk it. Um, so I think if if he's done that with with James and there's been no word on Walker, then I think uh, Walker is likely to go. It's a really great point. So Walker, Trippier, and Stones, I think we're all agreed will be in. Can we all agree Luke Shaw as well? Yeah, he'll start. Yeah. Yeah, Luke, Luke Shaw's going to be at left back, isn't he? No doubt about it. I've seen some squads that have left Eric Dyer out of the team. So let's go through the centre-backs. You've said Maguire. I think he will go just by virtue of um, historical England performances. I think you're right there, Joel. But I've also seen uh, Connor Cody's name mentioned as well. Tyrone Ming's name mentioned as well. Ming's so at the moment, in terms of... Well. Come on. <laughs> in terms of centre-backs, Stones, Dyer, Maguire, Cody... Mings are the kind of crop we're picking from here. So do you take four? Do you take three? It depends what system you're picking, I guess. Stones is definitely in there. Is Dyer definitely going? Because there's one prediction I've seen here just on social media now that has excluded Eric Dyer from, from the squad. 
But then you have to think about, his t- what about Tamori? I'm not seeing his name once. Is that on the basis mm. of his pretty dodgy performances when he has played for England? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, this is what I mean. There are so many questions here. And this is what I said before. The defence is always going to be the toughest thing to pick. So I think we need to yeah. we need to kind of tighten up on this. We need to make a decision. I think Maguire's in and Stones is in. I think it'd be much easier. Sure to, for, and sure, yeah. of course. Yeah, so it'd be much easier to pick a starting eleven. But we need to pick a 26-man squad. So Pickford, Pope, Ramsdale, the keepers. Walker, Trippier, Stones, Shaw and Maguire, dead certs to get in. Then you've got Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, Dan Byrne, Ben White, Tyrone Mings. Um, I've probably forgotten somewhere someone else as well, but there are names there. Yeah. I one of them might be might be Chris Smalling. Yeah, maybe. I'd I take like I was writing my twenty six man squad sort of yesterday. I kind of fit it on a tweet, so I might have to put it somewhere else. But um I'd for me, Maguire, Stones, White as a centre-back, not a right-back. Um, and then Smalling and Tamori. I do think Ben White will sneak in. So you think White will get in? I think he will. I well, think he'll so. definitely get in, yeah. However, I do only think he's getting in because uh, James is injured, which I think he should be in on, on merit anyway. And also Southgate does like the versatility thing, doesn't he? He likes players who can play in different positions. So Walker, yeah. Trippier, Stones, Sean Maguire and White, three more or two more to choose. So we've got two more to choose, really. One one sort of a backup left-back, which could be Dan Byrne, who I think, I'm not sure if I'd want him out at left-back. I think he's probably better at centre-half. No offence to your team, Marley, because they've been really good this year. No, he is, yeah. He's better, he's better at centre-back, yeah. So that kind of leaves us one sort of foil left-back to Luke Shaw and another centre-back. So is that centre-back Eric Dyer? Is it Connor Cody? Is it Tyrone Mings? I think it, I think it will be Cody. I truly believe it's between Dyer and Tamori. Well, we're we're all over the place here, boys. Imagine how Gareth Southgate <laughs> no, feels. Yeah, but I'm I'm like I don't think it should be Cody, but it will be Cody because okay. it's Southgate. So. Okay. so it looks like Connor Cody's going to be in our predicted, our predicted side, and then there's a left. I mean, it's it's one of another player. I mean, Dan Byrne does he get in? He gets in mine, but he doesn't get in Southgate because is Southgate will only take one specialist left back, which will be sure. And he'll use either Saka as a wing back or um, Trippier at left back. Like we were saying yesterday, I don't want to see Kieran Trippier at left back because I think you just waste his talent. But when you've got so many right backs that you can choose from, then I think it becomes like, oh, Kieran will play there. But you know, you look around the England, you look around the Premier League, and how many English sent, how many English left backs are there? Because outside of you know, like you're saying, there's Dan Byrne that's playing there. There's Aaron Cresswell, Joel Ward at Crystal Palace, <laughs> Tyrick Mitchell actually has got has got caps, but he's mm. he's crap. He's, he's terrible. Yeah, he's just I, I he's, he's all potential and no actual talent. Setting so does that well, then mean we're going for Eric Dyer then? Because and gets taken off. It, it, does that just mean Eric Dyer is going to get in? Uh, I know he plays as a centre back, but I've, I'm fifty fifty on him because I think Cody will go over him. So if it's a case of like Dyer hasn't been in any of the squads, has he? Recently, did he get in the last one? I think he did. I think he was just in the last one. But yeah, like it's recent. It's almost like he's put him in out of out of uh, sort of necessity. Okay. Well, I think he'll go. So I think we need to move on because we've spent fifteen minutes talking about defenders <laughs> and we've still got midfielders and strikers to do. So um, I, I think that will be our our lineup defensively: Walker, Trippier, Stones, Dyer, Shaw, Maguire, White, and Cody. That sounds like to me a pretty similar backline to what Gareth Southgate will take to Qatar. Let's move on to the midfield. Um, another tricky one to to get our heads around. Can we all agree that Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham? 
and probably Jordan Henderson will all be included in this England squad. Whether you agree with Henderson or not, I think is irrelevant at this stage. I think he'll be going. So definitely Rice, definitely Bellingham. Phillips, obviously there's an injury query around him, but Jordan Henderson, I think will go. So can we pencil those three down for sure? Yeah, I, think I would so. definitely think yeah. so. Um, Declan Rice and Bellingham, they're the two starters for me. And then yeah. I think after that, it's who do you choose as another backup defensive midfielder or even choose one. Uh, I don't know whether you guys would take Calvin Phillips. I definitely wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I, I can't see how you can play I would. F- f- that little. I know the same could be leveled at Harry Maguire, but Maguire's actually had at least some form of competitive football recently, um, even though it's the Europa League and stuff. Um, he's not injured. Phillips is injured and I always wonder how players react to returning immediately from injury to get thrust into a high pressure environment. I do think international football is not as intense as the Premier League, but would you really want to throw a player straight? I mean, I know he did it with Maguire in the Euros, did Gareth Southgate. It's it's hard to tell really, isn't it? Um, You'll take Phillips, Marley. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'd take him. Um, I think if you don't take him, I think you've got one combative midfielder there and it's Rice. And I think there's not that many deep-lying players like Phillips. I think if, if you look at Henderson, I think Henderson's best days are, are well beyond him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't take him if unless I had to. But with a 26-man squad, that's the only reason he gets in for, for me, Henderson. Um, what about Ward Prowse, someone like that, I as think an it, alternative to, to someone who can take set pieces? I think he's been because... rubbish this season, though. I don't think he's yeah. done anything. Like I'd, I'd probably rather take Gallagher over, uh, over Ward Prowse. Okay, but, that's really interesting because let's just say we have our our three sort of holding midfielders here, Rice, Bellingham, Henderson, and the other will be Phillips or maybe Ward-Prowse. That leaves us some attacking players to decide. Um, James Madison, that's a huge question. Statistically, James Madison is one of the most creative players in the Premier League over the last 12 months, but Leicester have had a pretty torrid start to the season. They seem to have recovered a little now, but everyone will look at that league positioning and say, Joel, that players that are in bad form classically play for teams that are at the bottom of the league same can't be said for Madison who in the last 12 months his output has been exceptional and probably warrants a place on the plane it's still 50-50 according to plenty of reports this morning so do you think James Madison has a spot in that 26-man squad it's like we were mentioning yesterday I I personally would definitely put him in just because he's probably been the most informed English player top three in the last well since the season started I would say and I just think with Southgate, because he's only had one cap, he's not really been involved in the build-up. And we know Southgate likes to, you know, exam- a good example being uh, Bowen just before the Euros. You know, he wanted to kind of check him out, see how he f- fit in the side. With Madison, he's not really had that opportunity. So I def- I don't think he's going to include him. I think he's going to go a little bit more conservative and just have Mount as that creative outlet in midfield. I think Mount will go. I think he will. Oh, yeah. um, Man will definitely the, go, yeah. the, the form for Chelsea has been pretty good recently as well so if I'm writing down this correctly Rice, Bellingham, Henderson Calvin Phillips, Mason Mount and James Madison that's our midfield so no James Ward-Prowse uh, no Conor Gallagher uh, I've seen someone suggest Jacob Ramsey as well at Aston Villa who had a good game against Manchester United but it's probably a little bit early for that no. um, I think he will in future by the way be an England international no doubt about that Jacob Ramsey I think he's got loads of potential but are we happy with that as our midfield heading into Qatar Rice Bellingham Henderson Phillips Mount Madison yeah sounds good it's just a shame how yeah. bad are we, are we counting Foden as a forward yeah we're going we're gonna to count Foden in the forward 
positions for the okay. purposes uh, of this. So let's start with those wide forward players. Saka's going, isn't he? Even though he hurt his ankle recently, he was back in and amongst it for Arsenal and he's shaking it off. So Saka's going. Raheem Sterling will go again. Chelsea have not been exceptional this season and I don't think Sterling has lit the ground on fire when he's been at Stamford Bridge uh, this season but he's consistent and has been one of England's best performers was at the Euros no doubt um, Foden I think has to go as well I think he's um, exceptionally technical player and Grealish just offers a little bit of X factor played really well last night in the Carabao Cup against Chelsea so in terms of wide players my choices and feel free to argue me down here Saka Sterling Foden Grealish everyone happy with that yeah, yeah, I think there's a main. I think the attackers are quite easy. It's literally just the backup for Kane that nobody really knows who's going to go or not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kane is a is a dead cert. He's yeah. the England captain. He's going to the World Cup. I mean, him and Pickford are the two most guaranteed players to go to the World Cup for me. Um, so there we go. We can add Kane to that list. So that gives us five forward players. We need to pick now two sort of backup number nines, if you will, to Harry Kane. Um, to complete our 26-man squad. So 24 we've locked in. We've got another two. Callum Wilson, Ivan Tony, Calvert-Lewin. There are many options here. Tammy Abraham is another. Uh, I think Wilson I think Wilson should go. I think Wilson should go as the second choice to Harry Kane. Marley, you're not going to disagree with me. No. Are you though, Joel? That's I think the Marcus question. Rashford should go just on the base of it. He's, he's improved ridiculously compared to the last year, two years, let's say. Um, and Southgate knows him so well. And it's just the fact that he missed out on that last squad. Obviously, he was injured, actually. Maybe he would have gotten that. I'm not sure, but I think he has to go to this one. He just offers something different, even if it's from the bench. I would trust him to come off the bench and score more than any of the other backup strikers. Except Wilson. <laughs> well, yeah, Wilson. I think, well, I mean, actually, no, it, having counted the squad that we've written down here. I was going to say, I don't think you've got enough players, have you? I think we've got three spots left. So we can either add an extra midfield player or I think we can add Rashford. We can add, mm-hmm. add we can add Wilson. Then it's the question of Ivan Tony, Tammy Abraham. There's the penalty thing with Tony. I think it's between those two. I think that's literally in the forward line is either Tammy Abraham or um, Tony. And I just think with this thing hanging over Tony, I'm wondering if that's going to play effect in it. Yeah, I don't think he'll go, Tony. So who who will go instead? Tammy Abraham, I think. But the only issue is last season he got, I think it was 17 goals in 34 in Syria. Now he's only had four goals in 14 games. He scored last night. He's out of form, but I mean, Tony's the one that's banging form. It's basically on the back of two months, isn't it? So it just depends on what Southgate thinks. But I do think he'll pick Tammy Abraham over Tony. Yeah, it's hard to know with Ivan Tony, isn't it? It's hard to know. I mean, we don't want to speculate too much on Football Social Daily, but there's this odd kind of FA gambling charge which is hovering over him at the moment. So we don't know whether that will play a part in his inclusion or exclusion from the squad. We'll find out, of course, at two o'clock this afternoon. Um, Considering we've only got six midfielders here, we could probably add another midfielder in. We could add another defender in here. Or we can go all-out attack, which I don't think Gareth Southgate will do. At the moment, our forward players are Saka, Sterling, Foden, Grealish, Kane, Rashford and Wilson. Yeah, I think we're going to take 10 defenders, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I really do. I think it'll be like 10. Yeah, so I've got nine down here. So Yeah, 10 defenders, three goalies, seven midfielders and, and six six forwards. Um, <laughs> Just sums up Southgate. Yeah, I mean... Let's get it right. I think if if Southgate was uh, was a meal deal, he'd be that 
picture that you see as a meme where it's uh, a plain ham sandwich, ready salted crisps, and uh, a bottle, a of, bottle water. of water. That's, he doesn't yeah, take yeah. many risks. He's not a he's not a risky manager who will put his uh, you know right. he, he won't do what well, Tite's done at Brazil and then nine forwards. He's going to do what he knows and yeah, he knows what he likes and he likes what he knows. I'm going to put Trent Alexander Arnold in. We've got an extra spot. I think we should. So I think he's in. So that completes our our squad. I think we've actually picked 25 players here. Um, which means that we're much more conservative than Gareth Southgate is. He's got one extra player to to play with here. Um, Pickford, Pope and Ramsdale will be the goalkeepers. Walker, Trippier, Stones, Dyer, Shaw, Maguire, White, Cody and Alexander-Arnold will be our defensive players. Bellingham, Rice, Henderson, Phillips, Mount and Madison will be the midfield. Saka, Sterling, Foden, Grealish, Kane, Rashford and Callum Wilson will complete the attack. And there we go. That's the Football Social Daily England squad. Not the official squad, of course. That will be announced at 2 o'clock by Gareth Southgate and the FA. And you can keep right up to date with that on the Football Social Daily podcast feed by hitting subscribe because later on, Jim Salverson will be back with shots, bringing you all of the news when it comes to that England squad announcement. So we look forward to that. And next, we'll look forward to seeing what Nathan Jones has had to say. And if you don't know who Nathan Jones is, you're about to find out because he's the new Southampton Football Club manager. We'll talk about it after this here on FSD. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning daily Premier League podcast, and Nathan Jones has been appointed as the new Southampton boss, replacing the outgoing Ralph Hasenhurtl, who was sacked last week. The former Luton manager has arrived on a three-and-a-half-year deal. Saints have paid around £2.5 million compensation to take him away from the Championship Club, and his first game is against Liverpool this weekend in the Premier League, Joel. We spoke about the new manager bounce on Monday and actually you said that it was something that quite frustrated you. Do you think we'll see that against Jurgen Klopp's Reds on the weekend? Because it's not exactly the easiest of fixtures for Nathan Jones to get his feet under the table with. It's at Anfield, isn't it? And it's well, I thought it was the early kickoff. It was if it was the early kickoff, I would have put my house on it, but it's not. It's the three PM one. It's gonna be it's difficult because I think Liverpool are slowly starting to show a little bit of form, especially over the last few games. Um, but like we were mentioning yesterday, Southampton have never been a, a club over the last decade, let's say, who has gone for the typical manager choice. They've always had a well thought out 
plan ahead as we saw you know with Pochettino and then following that Harzen who taught this there's been so many that it feels as though it should be a sure guaranteed fit but I mean he's managed Luton this is the big difference now I mean Luton in the um, championship they're ninth at the moment pretty you know average but for Luton I think that's a a bit of an overachievement compared to some of the other teams around them and their budgets and you know the parachute payments which has seen the majority of the teams that have gone down basically go straight back to the top of the league again or in the top four so it'll be interesting to see how Southampton do over the next well the next game since it's just before the World Cup and I think that's the perfect moment for him to come in because he's gonna have a whole month to just truly analyze the team and unfortunately, the new new manager bounce will have to be postponed until uh, this, the end of December because it's going to be cut completely short unless they can do something straight away at Liverpool. But yeah, I think it's just going to be a nice circuit breaker this World Cup for the Southampton side because they were domino effect losing consistently. And I think they just needed a bit of a, a stop and a bit of a refresh. But it will be such a difficult game against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, Luton Town, which is where Nathan Jones has arrived from. He's a 49-year-old Welsh manager. Um, he's guided Luton from League Two up to the Championship. And they were in the playoffs last season, very nearly um, getting up to the Premier League. They were at least fighting for a spot in the top flight, certainly last season. I remember talking about it on the podcast saying, can you imagine if Luton became a Premier League club? So, In all fairness to them, they've been a small club that have been punching above their weight in the championship in recent seasons. He had complete and utter control at Kenilworth Road, Marley. Do you think he'll be able to adapt to the Premier League quickly with Southampton? Because even though he says in his first interview with the club that there's an alignment there that attracted him to the job at St. Mary's, naturally, a Premier League club is a bigger beast than one the size of Luton Town. And I don't think that's disrespectful to say that. So how quickly do you think he'll be adapting to life in the top division? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of learning on the job. And I think that's the, the, the most dangerous thing about this appointment. I think, you know, Southampton are even, even sort of at their best, are they any any better than the fifteenth best side in the Premier League? I, I don't think so. So you're probably looking at that sort of fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth in the league. Three of them go down, three of them stay up. So you're looking like a fifty percent chance of staying up or staying or going down. In my opinion, I don't think he's. Um, I think he's a good manager. He's done what he's he's done what he's done at Luton. Um, it's great, don't get me wrong, but this is this is a huge step up and a massive, massive gamble for Southampton. I can't see it working. I I can see them going down um with with this appointment because I just think I think the one time he's he's left Luton in the past, he went to Stoke, which is a much bigger club in terms of like infrastructure and, and resources. And I think he won three in twenty one, uh in three games out of twenty one, and he was sacked and he was back at Luton six months later. And it was like I know it's success isn't like linear. It's it's like uh, it's you don't go straight up every time. Like if Eddie Howe, for example, went from went from um, from Bournemouth to Burnley, didn't work out. Couldn't couldn't get settled. Couldn't get his his message across. Ended up getting uh, sacked or leaving, and and then going back to uh, back to the South Coast with Bur- with uh, Bournemouth, and then but then you know years later he had another shot at it, and now he's. He's smashing it at Newcastle, so it's not like I don't want to totally write him off, but I can't see, I can't see the players fully buying into what he what he brings, and I can't see 
Southampton doing anything that, that they want to do. I think if they stay up, they'll only just stay up. Um, but I, to be honest, I can't see it. I don't think they've got enough in the squad at the best of times. So I think you've got to have a top manager who can drag the best out of them because I think Ralph Hasenhutl is a good manager. I just thought he had he had ideas that were above the stations of the players. I think he had a lot of, a lot of young players and a lot of players signed sort of, you know, with a, a chance taken on them and, and ultimately hasn't put the tactics in and, and they just didn't respond. So in my opinion, I think they, their players were just unable to carry out the, the tasks that hasn't would, would ask for, for the four years. I thought his tactics were fine, but his, uh, the, the players at his disposal just weren't good enough. So I can't see that being the case with Nathan Jones. Um, and I can see them having a long old season, to be honest. One thing I would say is that there's been plaudits for Southampton deciding to take a punt on a young British coach rather than trying to find a manager from overseas. Often when you see a new manager come into a club, it's because the team that the previous incumbent has left was struggling. And the same is the case here for Southampton, who are in the relegation zone at the moment. In terms of taking a leap of faith, as you say, and kind of having a punt, Southampton in the relegation zone in the Premier League... You want surely an experienced manager who knows the division to come in and help you out of that rut. Um, Ralph Hasenhurtle has experience of doing that. And normally when a new manager comes in, it's an upgrade on the previous incumbent. As much as I don't want to disrespect Nathan Jones, it's hard to say that Nathan Jones, manager of Luton, ninth in the championship, is an upgrade on Ralph Hasenhurtle, who's managed RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga and managed Southampton through some tricky spells, it has to be said. It's difficult to see this. I mean, fair play to Southampton for giving it a crack, but it seems unlikely that this will be uh, treated as as kind of an upgrade on the previous manager. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me with that is if you look at Southampton, the third bottom now, and you look at the club, they're one place above in the league, and it's Wolves. They've got two more points than... And Wolves have just appointed a guy who managed Spain and Real Madrid recently. So, you know, that sort of back, backs up your point of you you buy and, well, you, you try and get an um, immediately, obviously better coach who's who's done more things in the game. So it becomes even more of a risk when the, the teams around you are piling money at like Hulan Lopetegui and you're getting Nathan Jones from Luton. I just, I don't, I just don't know about it. Um, I hope he does well, to be honest, because I, li- I like seeing young managers g- work their way up the leagues. I love that Graham Potter's got the Chelsea job after being in Ostersunds four years ago or five years ago, whatever it was. And um, I want to see Jones doing well, but I-, I look at the squad and just think it's it's not enough. Yeah, I think the one thing that may be a benefit to Southampton and to Nathan Jones is something that Marley's already mentioned, Joel, and that's the young players. We've seen a number of young players and in fact, in a game earlier this season, Southampton fielded the youngest squad seen in a Premier League game for about five or six years. So there's no doubt that they do have young players and Nathan Jones has kind of made a bit of a career at Luton out of working with these young up-and-coming players. So I guess he comes from a good background in that respect to work with this this group of Southampton players yeah like we were mentioning Southampton I think they were really smart in the transfer window in terms of the signings that they made but it just wasn't the right time it maybe needed to be alongside signing some experienced players some ones that can hit the ground running because like we've mentioned Southampton aren't a side that can be blessed with time in terms of results because if the results turn it's not like they're one of the bigger clubs where they have 
a ridiculous amount of depth that can get them out of trouble really quickly because they've not really got a massively recognised number nine apart from maybe Che Adams and Armstrong and I don't think they're the most prolific players to play up front and you know we've seen Bella Kochap who's had his first Germany call up so it's proven that you know the players that they've signed they're really good prospects it's just the fact that then it's not their time yet and that's a problem for any new manager because they kind of need results now, especially if you want to stay in the Premier League because it's just so competitive. And I was just looking at the Luton Town average age of the squad and it's 27, which is fairly mid-range, I would say, compared to some of the other ones. But I think it'll help him in a way because coming into Southampton, he won't have massively huge egos and experienced players that are bigger or feel bigger than him he's gonna have a pretty nice young squad to work with and just shape how he wants to shape it so I think it's a really nice foundation of players that he can come in with and the good thing as well is that as soon as he comes back after the World Cup it's going to be the January transfer window in the next week or so after Boxing Day so that may work in his favour as well in terms of actually bringing in a few more reinforcements if he needs it in terms of the attacking options I think which are where they're lacking massively but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he works with this. But like Marley was saying, you know, with Graham Potter, I don't think people should look at this appointment and think, oh, he's come from the championship. It's not never going to work because, I mean, history in the last couple of years, few years has said that, you know, if you give him a bit of time, good recruitment strategy and just let them work with their ideas, sometimes it can work. And I think with this one, who knows? He could either be, is either going to go to be a massively too big of a step up or it will be work massively in his face excuse me, worked massively in his favour. I think what we can caveat, though, is with the Graham Potter thing, Brighton had finished 17th under Chris Hewton, one place above the relegation zone, and Chris Hewton was sacked and they made the change in the summer. Graham Potter came in, and in his first season, he finished in similar positions before eventually having time to build. This change has been made midway through a season, with one game before the World Cup. I guess he'll have a mini pre-season though, Marley, won't he? He'll have, he'll have six weeks or whatever, five, six weeks to get his ideas across to those players that aren't going to Qatar. And, you know, depending on what the England squad announcement is, you might have some of the more senior players at the club, like James Ward-Prowse, in the building rather than in Qatar, should, should that be the case and he doesn't go. So I guess with that in mind, the aim and his only aim is to keep Southampton in the Premier League. I mean, he's spoken in an interview about his wider ambitions at the club, but his immediate ambitions just has to be get enough points to get out of the relegation zone. Yeah, that's that's the task. Um, just pick up pick up enough to to keep it to keep your club in the Premier League, and then you can build from there. You can get backed in the uh, in the summer, and you can sign a striker or sign sign whoever you want. But you know, it's the short term thing is we're in the relegation zone. So if you go into a club in the relegation zone, you've got to get them out of it as, as quick as you can because there's a few teams still down there. You know, one win could take uh, could take Southampton as high as, as 12th in the table if they have a, a positive goal difference swing on the back of that win as well. So, you know, Liverpool isn't a, isn't an easy start, but I think after that, you know, it, it obviously gets a little bit easier. They've got the uh, the game against Brighton on Boxing Day at home, which will be his first, uh, first home game. Um, Fulham, Nottingham Forest, Everton after that. So you look at his first five games and you say, can you win three of them? Can you beat Fulham away? Can you beat Forest at home? And can you beat Everton away? That's that's what he's got to be targeting. And then Wolves comes up a little bit after that as well. So, you know, they're, they're down there with them and, and could still be when that game rolls around in, all the way in February. But from for now, you've got to get 
get your uh, get your points across, get the respect of the um, of the squad while you're working with them when everyone else is away on on World Cup duty, um, and then go from there. All right. Well, Nathan Jones is the new Southampton manager. He has arrived from Luton on a three and a half year contract. His first game is this weekend against Liverpool. And no doubt we'll preview that match on this week's edition of The Dugout as well, which is the podcast from Football Social Daily featuring former Premier League professionals and ex-Leicester and Nottingham Forest striker Matty Fryatt will be joining me, as well as former England winger and the title winner with Everton in the 1980s, Trevor Stephen. He'll be here as well speaking to me on The Dugout. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. That will be out later on this week but before we go any further and before we look ahead to those weekend matches on the dugout we'll need to get our fantasy teams in order it is the last premier league fixture before the world cup begins and thankfully tom from who got the assist the fpl podcast is on hand next to answer your fantasy questions we'll do it after this football social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. All right, welcome back to Football Social Daily. And this weekend is the final Premier League game week before the World Cup in Qatar. So maybe there's some tinkering to be done with your squads in FPL to try and pick up as many points as possible before that six week break or so. And thankfully in the building today to help us out with making those selections for the weekend from the brilliant FPL show who got the assist. Tom's here again for another week. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. So kind of in two minds really about whether I'm looking forward to or will be <laughs> sad about the break, uh, given how my I own FPL fortunes have been the last few weeks. I think I'm probably looking forward to it more than I'm going to be sad about it. But hey, who knows? One good final game week and maybe I'll be like, oh, I wish it could continue. Yeah, and there are some good games as well, of course. We've already spoken on today's podcast about Nathan Jones being the new Southampton manager. They take on Liverpool. Could we see, I mean, Liverpool have been poor this season, but could we see an upset there? That's something to think about. But talking of players being upset or whether to look forward to the World Cup or not, one of those players, as we've had it confirmed this week, is Rhys James. And he'll be disappointed because he's out of the World Cup. He won't be going. He's injured. Uh, He's been selected by 12.5% of FPL managers. Do you think it's best to keep him until after the World Cup and just hope that he is on the mend by the time the Premier League returns on Boxing Day or is now the right time to get rid of him? And if it is the right time to get rid, who do you think would be a good value replacement, even if it is for just one week? 
Uh, to be fair, I think most people who own Reese James are probably dead teams now, just because he's been out for so long. I mean, he's a great player, and he's probably going to be, now he's not going to the World Cup, sadly, the first name on many a team sheet uh, for the World Cup wildcard. So after this game week, all the prices freeze, um, and we all basically have unlimited transfers. So um, that'll be the time to bring Reese James in. If you are somehow sat with Reese James, um, I think... Uh, if you are able to field three defenders this week, I just go ahead and do that because there's not much sort of positive upside to replacing the defender compared to where you could go elsewhere, especially because now in the one pe- now we're in the one week punt situation. I mean, maybe you could look at an Arsenal defender, um, Saliba, Gabriel, uh, Ben White, indeed, who could well be named in the England squad later on today. Uh, Wolves away uh, for us. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, sorry. Um, and I think that, you know, Wolves can't attack, uh, even though Lopetegui is now installed. I, I suspect that there may still be um, opportunity scope for a very good defensive performance there. Um, so maybe you, you may wish to go there. But ultimately, if you do have Reese James still somehow, I probably keep operating without him and use your transfer somewhere else in your team. Yeah, Jesus's points tally tends to fluctuate most weeks, doesn't it? And we keep hearing these statistics wheeled out on TV by the commentators and by the pundits that he's not scored in his last eight games or whatever it is. He has scored five goals this season. He's also registers uh, assists as well. Obviously, you're slightly biased from your point of view being a Gunners fan, but do you think he was worth all the hype at the start of the season? And is it worth keeping him? That's the the question we've had here from Byron. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been a bit of a fallow period for him. He's not scored since the Spurs game in game week nine. But uh, Jesus, obviously, if you, you know the kind of player he is. It was clear at Man City as well. But to some extent, there's some question marks, which I don't think will ever go away about his finishing. He does still have the second best non-pen expected goal involvement in the Premier League, just behind, obviously, Erling Haaland. And against Wolves, again, uh, you'd be expecting to be highly involved in any attacking returns we do get. So, as you said, even though he hasn't been scoring, um, he has picked up three assists in the last five game weeks. And otherwise, just looks a bit of a nuisance. The only thing... The only deficit has been his ability to finish the chance he's been presented with. And you know, it, all, it could all come together for him like it did against Leicester in the second week or, you know, as I said, in games like the, the Spurs game or something like that. And, you know, against Nottingham Forest, for example, a couple of weeks ago, he still registered two assists and got nine points. And you can't you can't be grumbling at that, really, can you? So I probably would keep him this week um, if I was like. If I was kind of sat with that, because I'm sure we've got other things to deal with. The only one I would really be looking at, and the one I'm looking at this week, is Darwin Nunez. Uh, you mentioned Southampton a minute ago, and obviously they're away at Liverpool this week. And I really like Darwin Nunez as just a just a bit of a force of nature, really. Uh, if any of you watch him play, the man loves a shot, doesn't he? Really, really bloody loves a shot. And he's just got ridiculous stats in terms of his per 90 expected goals. So. He's the one I'm looking to. He's like the, he's not a player that I wouldn't want to have for the long term in my team, just because there's always you know so many questions about him, Firmino, Salah, and then Diaz and uh, Jota when they're back, how it all kind of fits together. But for the one week pump where he's looking very likely to start, I, I really like him in my team. Uh, so I think he'd be the forward I was looking at if I was looking to replace Jesus potentially. But if you have Jesus, I'd probably be sticking with Jesus. 
I think with Nunez as well, you talk of the stats. I think recently he broke a statistic for the fastest sprint speed in the Premier League for the season, um, well over 20 miles an hour. So not only has he got that physicality about him and the, the hunger for goals, but also he's got a fair bit of pace as well, which maybe you don't associate entirely with Darwin Nunez. But you're absolutely right. They host Southampton, do Liverpool this weekend. Nathan Jones, his first game in charge uh, down on the south coast at St. Mary's as their manager. One thing I wanted to ask you was, in terms of wild cards going into this break, if you haven't used them yet, what's the story with the regeneration? What do players get back? What do managers get back? Because I've seen some people maybe have misinterpreted the rules with what they can use uh, before the new year or before the World Cup break and what they're not able to use again once that's expired, so to speak. Right. You normally get two wild cards a season. One in the first half, one in the second half. The first one kind of expires around game week 19, I'm going to say, normally. If you still get your first wild card, it's a case of use it or lose it right now. Um, And I I just use it and try to make the best team I possibly could for this week, uh, basically. Uh, The World Cup wild card is new and it's just in there because obviously we've got this unprecedented situation where the Premier League stops for a month or so because of the World Cup in Qatar. So, during that period you can just make changes whatever like before game week one uh, there are a few kind of stipulations in that but probably one just to look at the website about if you're not sure it doesn't really affect you too much except if you sell a player that you've made price rises on you're not going to be able to buy the player back for the same price you bought him at initially bear that in mind and you always get the second wild card so feasibly what you could do is when the premier league return you know, we have our little wild cardy time now and feasibly what you could do is when the premier league returns on boxing day you could then play wild card again you get a second wild card um uh, but that wild card has to last you the whole back end of the season right so that's going to last you up until game week 38 at the end of may so i wouldn't be using it straight away but some people might i'm sure some people will some people aren't able to kind of uh you know, resist the urge to target the fixtures and so on and so forth, especially after a few uh, Christmas bevies. But <laughs> I, I probably say, yeah. So that, that's how it works. This year, we kind of have three wild cards, sort of. If mm. you've got your first one still, use it this week, hundred percent, because you're never going to use it again. It doesn't roll over as such. Um, you've got the midweek, you've got the kind of the mid-season one for everybody, and then you've still got the like the late-season wild card. I mean, I've seen the fixture scheduling for March, I think it is, March or April. I think there's six games for most Premier League teams. So maybe that's worth bearing in mind, just perusing the fixture list before you decide to pull the oh, trigger yeah. uh, on any wild card at, at any point, probably later on during the season rather than than right now. So is there anything that managers should absolutely be doing this weekend is there an um a case for people being a little bit pep guardiola here and overthinking it with this world cup break because joe wants to know how different will this fpl season be how different will it make it in terms of fantasy football the fact that we do have this unprecedented winter world cup um, i think there's definitely going to be um, some consideration when you put together your wild card squad before the return of the premier league on boxing day um, and you may wish to weight your expectation uh, and picks towards players who haven't played in the World Cup because there's going to be an element of fatigue about them sure. compared to your big men like Haaland, like Salah, um, those guys not going to the World Cup. There's going to be a huge advantage for those individuals because they won't have you know, expended loads of energy <laughs> competing mm. in, the, in the searing heat of Qatar. Um I think that that's going to have a bit of a real hangover for a lot of players. Like we saw last year with Mo Salah in Egypt, um, Salah being you know, one of the top FPL picks. 
the first half of the season before he went off to the African Cup of Nations. That's right. And the second half when he came back with night and day. And this may well happen for quite a few players who are doing well. Players like, you know, Kieran Trippier spring to mind and um, have an absolute stormer of the start of the season. But if he does play every game uh, for England, it, it might be interesting how he manages his load towards the back end of the season. And there's loads of examples like that. So it's one that's emerging. I haven't got all the answers yet because I need to really think about it uh, during the kind of off season, as it were, or a little break. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, it's going to have a huge effect. Um, and I think that we'll only kind of begin to see that as the game kind of returns at the end of December. And final question, and this is to do with Aston Villa because we've said Nathan Jones has gone into Southampton, Yulen Lopetegui has gone into Wolverhampton Wanderers and Unai Emery has gone into Aston Villa and he got a brilliant result in his first game in charge. They beat Manchester United 3-1 at Villa Park. United were on a nine-game undefeated streak in all competitions going into that one and they were, in my opinion, quite soundly beaten by Unai Emery's new team. We've discussed Leon Bailey right at the start of the season as a potential player to look out for. He started okay and then he tailed off massively and there were quite a few rotations in terms of taking him out of the team. But he played in a two up front and Unai Emery did like to play 4-4-2 at Villarreal. So without getting too tactically into the conversation, is there anything that you saw from last weekend's game involving Aston Villa with the likes of Ramsey um, scoring an own goal, but also scoring a goal himself and getting an assist? Leon Bailey looking lively again in a two up front with Watkins. Is there anything you saw from Villa last weekend which has made you think about possibly inserting some of them into your side? Not uh, so for me, not quite yet because I'm only going to do one move this week. But definitely, um, and the new manager bounce is going to be something that's worth holding on to with Villa. Um, <clears throat> it seems that Stephen Gerrard's gen- generated the a level of feeling against him, which I've, I've not really seen given their response to his sacking. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the likes of Leon Bailey, who many of us fingered at the start of the season as being a really good player and um, worth picking up, um, could well come back. They've got Brighton next, and on the other other side of the break, they've got Liverpool and then Spurs before their fixtures get better at, kind of at the start of January. So it's not really something I'm going to be lumping in on now. If you do fancy one-week punt, Bailey at 4.5, why not? Ollie Watkins as well at 7.1, why not? Luca Dean scored a free kick um, last weekend as well, so another why not sort of pick. Um, but for now, it's one of those where I'm, I'm more than happy just to watch and wait because the fixtures don't quite lend themselves to jumping in right now. All right. Well, Tom, it's been great to speak to you as ever. Good luck this weekend in FPL. And where whereabouts are you sitting? Are you looking comfortable in your leagues at the moment? Yeah, just about. I've had a couple of tough weeks, but I'm still kind of uh, happily in the top 100k. And after, if I have a good week this week, I should end the kind of the first half of this season uh, in about the top 50k, which is kind of what I wanted and near the top of most of my mini leagues, which is also what I wanted, hopefully to sprint on um, yes. when December comes around. Sitting pretty going into the World Cup. Tom, great to speak to you. And Tom will be back, of course, later on in the season, post the World Cup, to discuss all things FPL. And you can get a much more in-depth analysis of the latest when it comes to Fantasy Premier League by checking out Who Got the Assist, which is Tom's podcast, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You can find it there. Make sure you hit subscribe and search for it wherever you get your podcasts. Tom, great to speak to you again, mate, and enjoy the World Cup. Yep, cheers now. Nice one, Tom. Don't forget you can find Who Got the Assist as part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Go and search for it wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe and keep up to date with all of the latest fantasy tips from Tom and the gang. But that is it from us today on Football Social Daily. Thank you very much, Marley. Thank you, Joel. Um, Are you still happy with being Andy Griffin and are you still happy with being Gabriel Obertan or have you decided to change your mind through the course of the show? Well, for me, 
at least Obertan was branded the next Ronaldo. I know he was like <laughs> about a million miles off from it, but <laughs> at least I had that title. Well, Andy Griffin didn't need titles. He just needed to, he just was the next uh, I don't know. Like, what? Tony he's the one and only Andy Griffin. Yeah, he's only one of a kind. Overtime was a flash in the pan every now and again, but Andy Griffin was solid, solid seven out of ten every week. None of this fancy stuff. Um, and yeah, scored against Juventus, which Overtime did not. So, well, I, I think these two can only dream of being half the player that Overtime and Andy Griffin were, respectively. Um, but all the jokes aside, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Hit subscribe, that way you won't miss later on's episode of Shots, where Jim Salverson will be running the rule over the England squad, which will be announced very, very shortly. So, we'll speak to you a little bit later on here on Football Social Daily. See you then. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.